In today's show, we look at the waiver wire for fantasy basketball. We talk about an injury in Memphis and how we can make up for that. We talk about players that we drop with returns of other, perhaps, big-name players in Los Angeles. Michael Bolton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Quick reminder, February the 9th, Thursday, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, live trade deadline show on the YouTube channel. You can see the landing pages there already. When you go onto my channel, you'll see it. If you can go in there, uh, bookmark it, hit the um, notification bell on that show, hit the thumbs up to get it out to more people. It's going to be a live trade deadline show. It's going to be the best one I've ever done. And I'm pretty excited about it. So get involved with that um, and make sure it's in your calendar to go check out all of the trade deadline news that does happen Thursday, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. We're talking um, waiver wire stuff in today's show. So, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's look at the most added players. And there are some names here that we expect. Number one is the big fella in Washington, Denny Avdia. Now, some of this is... Is it chasing? A little bit, yeah. A little bit it is. Now, I've had... In, in this short term while Porzingis is out after the Hachimura trade, I've had Avdia projected to play 32 minutes a night. And he played basically bang on that yesterday. But remember, he is still a bench player. It is very hard to be a consistent 30-plus minute a night bench player and be a consistent top 100 player coming off the bench. That is very hard to do. He was able to do it last game. He was helped by the fact that Dan Gafford fouled out in 19 minutes and Beal was on a minutes restriction, and he was able to generate three steals. I've got no, absolutely no problem with adding Denny Avdia in a fantasy league, none whatsoever. We've seen him have moments of it, but but I'm not putting a ton of faith in it. I would still prefer to have Daniel Gafford. Oh, but Josh, he fouls out every game. Yeah, okay, cool. Maybe he does. Maybe he gets into a lot of foul trouble. He only needs to play 25 minutes, I, I believe, to be a top 75 player. Um, I, he was who I'd prefer. To me, Avdia and Dylan Wright are about similar. And with so many situations like this, and it's going to be the same with an injury, it's going to be less less the same. It's not even going to be relevant with Bobby Portis' injury. And let's cover that off now. Who do you add with Bobby Portis going out in the 12-10 league? Absolutely nobody. Just think of it as Middleton comes in and takes Portis' minutes, but takes more of Portis' minutes. Because Portis would play 24 or 25, and Middleton will take 30, 32, 33. So in the end, the net result is if you liked Pat Connaughton or liked Grayson Allen beforehand, well, they're going to have less to do. Now with Middleton taking Portis' minutes. And you're not going to be adding Mamu or you're not going to be adding um, Serge Barker, who's not going to play for this team. Um, and you're not, there's just no ad there. So I don't know, I got distracted on talking about 
guys like Denny and and, and Dillon right, but these sort of players where this value might appear, and it's going to be the same in sort of Memphis as well. Was that you can add them, but they'll probably just still end up being like a hundred and twentieth. 130th, have a little run of being a top 75 player for three games, and then they'll be 150th. And you saw it with like Jericho Sims in New York, a couple of good games and then nothing. And making again that they are probably still your worst or second worst player. And I think that is what will end up happening with Denny. He won't lock in as your seventh best guy for a two-week stretch while Paul Zingas is out. I don't think he'll do that. He'll end up being your 12th best player, which is totally good. It's still totally fine, but it's not like, wow, I've got to sacrifice everything to get him. But Gafford, to me, is a little bit different because I think he can be your seventh best guy. And I think he can also maintain close to that level when Paul Zingas returns. That's why I'm a little bit more on him. Yes, one game yesterday didn't look great. And that this could end up being completely wrong and Gafford might end up playing fewer minutes than he was previously. And Denny plays 30 plus minutes off the bench instead of them just starting him. Right, this could change, no problem. But with the pattern they've had, the fact they didn't even start Denny yesterday, and the fact that Gafford still has a better permanent fantasy game by a significant margin, that's the direction that I go. But yeah, Denny, fine out. I think that the next guy on this list, Jeremy Sohan, is worth looking at. Sohan, now! It's going to be up and down, almost the same as it is with Denny Abdia, where there'll be moments where he is a top 100 player, which he currently is over the last week. And there'll be moments where he's 170th best player um, over a bunch yeah, over a bunch of games. But his free throw percentage has improved. He is looking more and more comfortable. There's still not big minutes or gigantic usage, but things are coming a little bit easier for Sohan. So I think, again, there's going to be bumps, but the trajectory for him, it's moving upwards, which is what we want to see. Rui Hachimura, one of the most added players. I've done this to death. I've spoken about Hachimura a million times. Absolutely no problem if you want to take a flyer, especially in a points league. I've just seen Rui Hachimura play 30-plus minutes a night before, and it's been nowhere near 12-team category relevant. Nowhere near. It's worse RJ Barrett. That's that's the sort of play. It's worse DeAndre Hunter. That's the sort of player that he's been because he doesn't get assists or steals or blocks or hit volume threes or get to the line or have dominating field goal percentage or get big rebounds. He doesn't do any of that stuff. All right, maybe that changes in a new environment. I find that hard to believe, and I've got no problem with taking a flyer. That is what we have streaming spots for. That is what we have flyer spots for to try that. My faith in it is very low, but go for it. Preston Chua, I don't really know why he's one of the most added players. Like, I get it. He had that really strong little run across the weekend with two 30-plus minute games with players out. But at this point, for Wednesday, look, nobody is out. Maybe OG is out and people are panicking. Well, what if there's a trade and OG gets traded? To me, the, the trade that's probably going to happen, if I had to put one trade that I think is going to happen, it's Gary Trent for Jakob Pertl, right? That's what I think would happen, which would mean Gary Trent would move out of the starting lineup and Jakob Pertl would start and Achua would never play. Well, not never play, but wouldn't get anywhere near that. And even if OG was to be traded, we just say, oh, Precious would start. But what if a player comes back that's better than Precious and starts instead of him? I think this, this, there's a lot of chasing in this game. I get taking a flyer on it, but there are other guys. like I probably would rather have Rui Hachimura than adding Precious Achua at the moment. The cashier, Xavier T. Illman. We know that Steven Adams is out and T. Illman started last game and put up some really good numbers. I've got, again, no problem. I think it is totally okay to go and add Tillman to see exactly what we get out of him because last game was pretty good. But, but what's he going to top out as? 130th over a prolonged stretch 
Will there be nights where he plays 24 and Brandon Clark plays 24? Oh, almost definitely, yes. Will Tillman be the starter? I feel really confident that he will be most nights, but that doesn't always mean anything. He might be a 24-minute-a-night starter. might be a 22-minute-a-night starter. He might be a 29-minute-a-night starter, which would be hard to believe, considering Stephen Adams wasn't a 29-minute-a-night starter. That would be staggering to believe. Reminder, Stephen Adams did have games over 29 minutes, but he did not average 29 minutes a game. So to think that Xavier Tillman's going to come in there and be a 29-minute-a-night average starter, I think is ridiculous. Like, it's just not going to be likely. So it's okay to add him, but I think you'll add him, and then in three games, time, you go, what, what is this? Seven and eight with a steal and a block. Like, that's okay. And Brandon Clark is by far the better permanent producer. Almost mirroring the TJ McConnell, Andrew Nempard situation. Yeah, by far the better permanent producer Clark is. And if we get a minute split, Clark is the guy. And I still don't know which one of those guys I'd rather have. It is still a toss-up because I don't believe that Clark will start. But I reckon I'd rather take the chance on Clark. I just don't see Tillman's ceiling as being particularly high. But again... The opportunity is there. Let's try it. Dylan Wright, I can get behind that 100% at him. Like, there's no no reason there. He's playing 22 minutes a night. His steal rate's high. He's got good assist numbers. If he plays more minutes, which I don't know why he doesn't because Corey Kispert is not good, Wright should play more, but he doesn't actually need to. I would add him in all 12s. Tari preseason, well, we know why he's getting minutes. It's because Jabari Smith is out. And if Jabari Smith is going to play, which it appears like he is going to play today, I fear that Eason's not going to do anything. So while it was great to have Eason for the last two games, and I'd probably still hold him through Wednesday's game, I don't think that lasts. And one of the most added players is Johnny Isaac. He's sitting at 44% rostered only on Yahoo. I thought it would be way higher. Yes, it was a very encouraging return to action from Isaac last game. His second game, I am, which is today, watching what he does here is going to be very intriguing. What are the minutes? What is the usage? What is the shooting? What are the defensive stats? These are all big questions to be answered. I have no problem with anyone adding him. As I have stated a million times, I don't think it's going to end up being worth it in the long run. But if you're in a position where you can deal with a low-minute player for three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, two weeks, I don't know how long it's going to be because if we're trying to estimate timelines on John Isaac, well, we're all going to lose our mind. If you want to take that chance, by all means. It's not for me. I, I don't see him getting 25 minutes a night regularly. Maybe he gets to, I think he probably does get to 20 or 21. He probably does that. Is that enough to matter? For certain situations and certain builds, it might be. But I'm, I, I am not convinced. I was impressed with his return. Absolutely. But we'll see what happens in the next game. Because I know that basically everything that happened in that last game has no basis in reality of continuing. It's just none whatsoever. And if you say that it does have basis in reality, well, I think you need to reassess reality because it just isn't going to happen. I can 100% assure you of that. I can. Anyway, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in free bets, guaranteed, when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from money lines and spreads to player props, and plus you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. 
we look at the uh, NBA action today, the Pacers are five and a half point underdogs after knocking off the Bulls yesterday. They're five and a half point underdogs. Oh, actually, as I speak, that just changed. They must have heard me. It's coming to five point underdogs now. People are getting onto the Pacers here against the Orlando Magic, but all of the NBA action, all of the NHL action, the Australian Open over at FanDuel as well. Surely Novak is uh, massively favorite after he destroyed that bloke last night. All of it is on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanjul.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanjul, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's look at the most dropped players. That most added thing took a while to get through. But I think it was important that we discussed a lot of those things that were on there. Now let's get through some of these. Most dropped players, Jericho Sims. You just made the list. It wasn't good from him last game. But I think for him to be the most dropped players, like you're ignoring what he did the two or three games prior to that. Yes, it was frustrating to see him have this big role and then be limited and have Isaiah Hartenstein close over him. I still believe Hartenstein is a better player than Sims, pretty clearly. But you know, when you see a pattern of something happening, you like to put some faith in it. But then we overreact and drop after that one game. Does this mean that Hartenstein is going to play 24 minutes a night every night? Almost no chance. Right? I would still have persisted with Sims for one more game. Marcus Morris, yeah, absolutely no worries. Get that garbage out of here! Heard his rib yesterday. Don't know why he was rostered in as many leagues as he was, so see you later. Um, the Wizard of Noz, Nas Reed. Yes, when Rudy Gobert is playing, there is no value in Reed. But the fact that Gobert reappeared on the injury report for today with groin soreness would have made me hold on for one more game and go, oh, did Rudy Gobert re-aggravate his groin for the third time in about two weeks? It goes so well for players coming back too early. Shout out to Donovan Mitchell. Goes so well when you come back early from a groin strain. Devin Booker, how's it going, mate? It goes awesome. And now he's back on the injury report. So I would have held on to the Wizard of Noz for uh, one more game. Gordon Hayward, yeah, piss him off. Dennis Smith, as soon as we hear LaMelo Ball is back, Smith is gone. He is out of there. The interesting thing with Smith is that like LaMelo Ball is out. He's playing 29 minutes a night. And I'm saying, yeah, look, he's a great ad. And people go, man, what are you talking about? I've got to drop him. He's got to go. Yet when the team was healthy and he was playing 20 minutes a night, there were people telling me, man, he's got to be an ad. So like it's, you find both sort of sides of the argument who get vocal when you push to the middle of the situation. Like 29 minutes a night for Dennis Smith is usually enough to be a 12-team league guy. Like we've seen it multiple times. The last couple of games haven't been great, but we've seen it so many times. 20 minutes, 21 minutes is nowhere near enough to be useful for Dennis Smith. So if Ball is back and Haywood plays, then there's no reason for Dennis Smith. If Ball is out, then I'd still roll with Dennis but I get it if you want to drop to add maybe a longer-term option. Maybe you're trying a Denny or a Rui or an Xavier T. Ilman, one of those guys. Grant Williams, yeah, look, he's just not worth it. Pat Williams, again, schedule stream. I probably would have held him because he plays again on Thursday, but yeah, like these guys are just exactly the same Denny Avdia fringe 120 to 150 guys. Whether you're, you're, when you're, they're on your roster, they're your worst player or second worst player, and like that's where you cycle through. And then one of the most dropped players is the tank, Tom Bryant. And you know why that is? Because Anthony Davis is returning today. I have absolutely no problem with dropping Thomas Bryant. Yes, Anthony Davis could get hurt again at any point. Anthony Davis will be limited today. Is Tom Bryant good enough to hold through 22 minutes a night or 24 minutes a night? That's even if he plays every minute that Davis doesn't play because they could still go with Gabriel. No, he's not. I've got no problem with dropping Tom Bryant. If I've got Tom Bryant on any team in a 12-team league or probably even a 14-team league, I would jack him with the most vigorous arm action I possibly could. Like There is no reason for me to hold on to Tom Bryant. At this point, Davis is back. He's a Davis fill-in. 
Your fantasies of Davis and Bryant playing together, I don't think are going to come to... Hey, maybe they do. I really don't think they're going to come to fruition. When you're getting benched for Winyan Gabriel, I don't think you want to get out there to get cooked next to Anthony Davis. But that's just me. We'll see what the Lakers do. I would have no problem in dropping the tank Tom Bryant. So let's look at some droppable players. These are guys who are rostered in a lot of spots who I believe can be dropped in your standard 12-team format. Um, we'll start in Charlotte here. I don't think that it's worth long-term holding Jalen McDaniels. He's a fringy sort of a player at best when multiple players are out. But we are probably going to have Haywood back next game. Ball, I guess, is coming back. Ubre will still be a few weeks away. But McDaniels needs two guys out, I think, to be a 12-team league player. And at this point, it looks like there's going to be one guy out. Now, I wouldn't rush to drop him, but he's definitely in the firing line. So if I'm looking to take a flyer and I, I want to accurate, accurately appraise my roster and look at it, and I go, oh, is like in a week's time, who, is he going to be my worst player comfortably? Then that means he's droppable. Like he might be my 11th best player now because I've got some stream guys on there. But yeah, in a week's time, if Ball is playing, then McDaniels plays 25 minutes and it's not worth it. Tom Bryan, I just spoke about there is, I don't think you need to hold him. Dylan Brooksy Brooks, no, I don't think you need to hold him. We know the issues with him and his game, and it requires probably one to two perimeter players to be out. I don't think Stephen Adams' absence impacts Dylan Brooks in the slightest. So I wouldn't be bothered holding on to him. And then Dennis Smith, yeah, he is. I think he is going to be droppable, same as Jalen McDaniels, when we're looking forward. If Ball is out, we can keep him. We can keep him for the one game and see how it goes. But when we're talking longer-term valuations, the value is clearly not going to be there long-term. And if we're looking more points lead, now these are guys that I would hold in category leagues. Trey Murphy and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I would hold those guys in category leagues. But in points leagues, A, they don't produce enough value as it is. Old nine toes Brandon Ingram is coming back today anyway for the Pelicans. So that's going to hurt Murphy, who I do think can maintain value until Zion returns. But in a points league, the value is not there anyway. And it's going to get worse with nine toes returning. So you can move on from Murphy. You can do it for KCP as well. His role is not changing. It's the same thing, and it's not good enough for points leagues. Uh, Pat Williams is not really the greatest points league option, and we know the ups and downs with his game, so he can move on. And then with Anthony Davis back, I don't think we need to persist with Dennis Schroeder. I'd say the same thing in a category league. We know the ups and downs of his nonsense performances, and with Davis coming back, he's going to have less of the ball in his hands, which can only mean bad things for his overall fantasy production. So there are a bunch of guys there that I think you can move on from pretty comfortably. If we look at some must-roster players, these are guys who I think are top 100 for the rest of the season who are available in over 20% of leagues. Really simple criteria for getting on this list. Four in categories, four in points, and it's a lot of the same names. Let's just go through them again just to drum it into your head. Walker Kessler, Mason Plumley, Jalen Duran, Killian Hayes. Same thing for categories, same thing for points. These guys are all top 100 players, and they're all available in too many formats. Go and add them if they are available in your 10-team league, your 12-team league, and of course, bloody any 14-team league as well. That is an easy discussion. Hot players. These guys are all top 100 over the last week. Is this any of it real? Let's have a look. Dylan Wright, yes, I would add him. What he is doing, the steals will probably come down, but he's got enough value to be a 12-team league player at this point. Cole Anthony, hmm, that's an interesting one. He'll have these great games and then have absolute like six points on nine shots with two assists. And you go, well, what's the point of that? My worry with Anthony is the 23 minutes a night consistently. And that makes it hard to trust him as a 12-team league guy. Elite streamer, when you're looking for points and threes, really good at that. But as a guy that I want to hold on to, not really. You'll see the third name on the list is Xavier T. Illman. He played one game. He was like 75th in a per-game basis over the last week because of that one start. That was... A blowout against the Kings where Brandon Clark played like 13 minutes. Again, we've 
done that to death on Tillman. Take a flyer, but yeah, top 100 I think is pretty hard. Pretty hard to get to regularly. Isaiah Joe's there. All he is really is a three-point streamer. Do not look at that and go, oh, top 100. He's a must-roster player. I don't believe that's the case, but he is one of the best three-point streamers that exists. Pat Williams is in the top 100. Again, he's he's really hard to trust. He'll have these little stretches, then he'll be 180th. But if I had to say on balance, out of all of these guys, not including DeLon Wright and not including Kyle Anderson, actually, maybe not even including Sohan, I actually don't mind having Williams on my team. I'd have him over Joe. I'd have him over Anthony. Probably have him over Tillman. Have him over Joe Harris for sure. Um, Kyle Anderson, I put him on this list because he's only rostered in 51% of leagues. That That is ridiculous. Please go and add Kyle Anderson. He's ridiculous. Go and add him. Jeremy Sohan's top 100. Yeah, I, I do think he's an ad. And Joe Harris has been top 100. And I don't really think he is. Put him in the Isaiah Joe three-point streaming, get some points type streaming category. But that's really about it. I don't look at him as a must-grab player, especially with Durant maybe returning in like two weeks. For some deeper league action, these guys are all available in like over 90% of leagues or at least 90% of leagues. I think Caleb Martin's a good 14-team league player. Yes, he had the real stinker last game and a lot of people dropped him. I would think he still want to hold in those deeper formats. And the rest of these guys are all 16-team players who are available in 90% plus. You know, Gaz Payton, Nico Batum, Ravishing Rick Rubio. Surely no one is rostering Rubio in anything shallower than that. Aaron Neesmith could be a 14-team league guy. I like his starting role, but man, the shooting stuff for him is really rough. Um, Isaiah Joe, Joe Ingles probably stands to benefit a little bit from Portis being out. But playing like 25 minutes a night, it's probably not more than a 16-team league guy, maybe 14. And then there is the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate, who is getting a lot of assist numbers this season. And that's useful for value there. But I wouldn't I look to grab him in anything shallower than that. Let's go through a bunch of other names here to finish things off. Derek White, with Marcus Smart out, Derek White is a 12-team league player. We'll see what happens when Brogdon returns. But White's value is not going to last. We saw it with a healthy team. He played 15 minutes, right? And he might not play 15 tonight, but he might play 20. And that's not going to be enough. But they're not healthy. Brown is in and out with his groin issue. Smart's out with an ankle. Brogdon's dealing with personal stuff. White's a guy to have for now. Brandon Clark, I think we've talked a lot about him. Like, I think he's worth an ad. A lot of people are looking at Santi Aldama. I like Santi, but we just don't see Santi and Jaron Jackson play together enough. Santi's basically playing all of the minutes that Jaron doesn't play, and it doesn't really do anything for with Adams out. Maybe they go into a little bit more of Jaron at the five. They just really haven't done it very much at all this season. So I wouldn't be adding him in 12-team leagues. I think we all can agree that Bol can be a drop. I think we can all agree on that. But you know, may hey, maybe you don't agree. I'd love to see here from the Bol Bol guys. Like, are you still holding on to him? Mark Williams is an interesting name. He remains the exact same thing that I've said the whole way through. He is a luxury stash. If you need production, you cannot rely upon him now. There will be some good games, but I can't rely upon a um, a retread coach who doesn't know what he's doing to play him good minutes every game. I can't rely upon that. What we're waiting for is February the 9th. If Mason Plumlee gets traded, a very small possibility, then Mark Williams should be the starter. Again, not even a guarantee of that, and should be able to crack 23 minutes a night. And in 23 minutes a night, he is a guaranteed, well, not guaranteed, but he's close to a guaranteed top 100 player in 23 minutes a night. But if you can't wait for that, if you're going to get annoyed by a zero or a sort of zero like last game was for Mark Williams in the two weeks, then don't hold him. This is a lottery ticket that we are two weeks away to see if it pays off with a low percentage chance that it pays off. And if you've got the ability to do it, you do it. And if you don't, you don't. It's not a must roster. It's not any of that. The likelihood of Plumlee getting traded is not 50%. It's not 80%. It's 10%. It's 5%. It's low. 
but you if you are top of the standings, you can afford a zero. And if you get a lottery tick that hits, well, then that's it. Game over. You want to talk about league winners, and that's the way you can be a league winner is by taking the chance on someone that the, the, the poorer teams can't afford to do and widening that gap. It's why I believe heavily in having IL slots. Because if you play a league without IL slots, you know what the top teams can do? They can go dra- grab Kevin Durant and sit on him as a zero for five weeks because they've built up enough wins. And then he returns because the, the team that was eighth that had Durant can't afford to have him because they need to fight for the playoffs. So the top team can grab that injured player and then they become actually unbeatable. That's why you need injured slots. Kenrich Williams. The Oklahoma City Buffalo has been playing pretty well. He's a strong 14-team league guy with 12-team streaming ability, but there's no reliability for a 12-team regular, I don't think. Eric Gordon's on there. Um, he's playing a little bit better of late. Gordo, probably more 14 than 12. Him getting traded, I think, would kill all value, but he's of interest. Well, Trey Lyles was amazing last game. He was also dreadful the three games prior to that. I wouldn't rush to add him, and thankfully, people haven't rushed to add him after that one game, but we're always wanting to see his role because he has had a couple of little surges and a couple of absolute Trey Lyles where he stunk for a big period of time. So we always keep an eye on that. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. And if you're on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.